one of the things when we first built the store is I leased some space to an optometrist. I did that to supplement a solid revenue stream. It's a little bit of a trial and error. We ran into a few things here and there. Sometimes on paper look good, but it doesn't always pan out that way. You got to be flexible. CEOs often feel stuck in the grind of scaling their business and feel like they're missing out on the best parts of life, like family, friends, or travel. On this podcast, CEOs come to take themselves and their companies to the next level. Let's dive into the millionaire mind with your host, Dallin Schultz. Hey, welcome back to another Millionaire Mind episode where I have some of the most successful business owners sharing what motivates them to get out of bed every morning and how they elevate themselves and their companies to the next level. And look, being a successful business owner is often directly associated with recognizing an opportunity and then acting on it. And in our episode today, you're going to hear how this pharmacist and business owner of Southern Utah did just that and how he was able to take a family business to the next level through his strategic planning and execution. There's going to be a lot of gold in this episode, so be ready to tune in. Let's get into it. Special welcome to our guest, Roger Kilpack. Roger, thank you for joining us today. I'm honored to be here with you, Dallin. Thank you. So I got to give our listeners a little bit of a background here. So a lot of you probably know that I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And as part of that, we often go out and serve two-year missions where we teach people about Christ, we serve. And uh, during those two years, gosh, this was 12 years ago now, I think. Yeah, 2010. What? 13 years. So during those two years, about 18 months out of those 24 months, Roger was actually the mission president is what they refer to him as to oversee, what was it? Three, 400 young adults. We actually had during the three years I was there, we had 650. 650. So if you didn't have gray hair before that, you sure as heck got it then, huh? (laughs) So that's actually how we got connected. And just a man that I look up to tremendously and had uh, had that experience with him over those 18 months. And knowing that he had a couple uh, businesses in Southern Utah, I reached out somewhat recently and asked if he'd be willing to be on our show. And he said, Absolutely. So here we are today. So I'm really looking forward to this, just given the experience and relationship that Roger and I have had in the past. And that's why I can assure you, you're going to get some gold out of this episode. So definitely looking forward to it. So Roger, share with our listener a little bit about who you are and what you do today. Okay. So I am a pharmacist by profession. I'm a product of rural Utah. I was born and raised in Delta, Utah, small community, a farming community, mostly when I grew up. Went to school at the University of Utah, got a degree in pharmacy, and chose to come back to my hometown. Things had happened during the time of my education, and while I had actually gone away for a mission as well, the town had changed, and some employment opportunities came in, and the town started to grow. And it gave me an opportunity to come back to Delta and raise my family there. I had such a good opportunity and good experience having grown up in that environment, and I wanted that same thing for my children. So some things kind of fell into place that allowed me to do that. And the reason for pharmacy was my father was a pharmacist, owned his own drugstore. I'm actually the third generation owner of this business. It was started by my grandparents back in 1939. 
and they coerced my father into getting into the business in 1950, and he stayed with it till he sold out to me in about 1990, and I've managed it and run it ever since. And so it was a good opportunity for me to come back. And so I actually owned two small pharmacies. We picked up a second location in 2011, and we've operated those two stores in the small towns of Delta and Fillmore, Utah, about 30 miles apart. And it's been a very, very good thing. And we're going to get into that journey for sure. And when I initially had talked to Roger about a little bit about the podcast and what we do, one thing that really came out in our brief conversation is how they're able to serve these communities through their pharmacies. And that's definitely going to come out in the interview. So excited to look forward to that. So you mentioned that your father was coerced into being a pharmacist. Did you experience the same coercion or is this something by choice and desire that you wanted to pursue? He was coerced. He had embarked on a career in finance. He was working in a bank and that was his chosen profession. And my grandparents, one on each side, actually, my mother's father and my father's mother actually owned the business. And the pharmacist that was the third partner left. And so they said, we need a pharmacist and you're it. So they coerced him into going back to school and he got his pharmacy degree and came back, like I said, in 1950. For me, it was different. I am the youngest of six children and I watched all of my siblings grow up and choose a different occupation, many of which took them out of the area. And I was kind of the last one along and it's like, well, I'll be the guy that steps up and runs this business. So it had always had intrigued me. I grew up around it, so I was familiar with it. I knew what it entailed. And so I had a desire to do that. So that for me, it wasn't coercion and not even really an obligation, something I wanted to do. And so I went that direction. And you earned yourself the favorite child position, right? Out of the six well, obviously, kids. Every child thinks <laughs> my favorite child and I'm no exception there. Awesome. The youngest, you always grow up that way. So you had this desire, you saw the opportunity to be a pharmacist. At this point, was the idea of being a business owner even at the forefront of your mind or? To be honest, great question. Really, no. That kind of came with the experience, I think. I mean, I did. I recognized that this was its own business. And I guess I viewed it as one and the same, being a pharmacist and owning your own business. That I realized after having gone to school and received my education, that wasn't the norm that most pharmacists didn't own their own business, entered it thinking everybody did. And obviously that isn't the case, but I accepted that and came along with that. And, and that's been a, a rewarding part of choosing this profession, to be honest with you, to be not only just a pharmacist, but a business owner as well. You were probably used to that because living in rural Utah, pharmacists typically probably had their own pharmacy. You get up into the cities or the urban areas, you got pharmacists at the Walgreens, the most grocery stores, the hospitals, right? That's what you knew. That was and normal. That, and that's what I knew. And even growing up back then, pharmacies in the big cities still were mostly independently owned. It's only okay. the last 30 years that the transition's gone from independent pharmacy to chain retail pharmacy, that kind of thing. So, and now the independent pharmacist is, is almost a a dying breed. But back then it wasn't. And I think that's what makes you guys so unique though, and why you do so well in these areas. So yeah, we've, um, we've got a niche and I think it's been good. I've had a few medical professionals on that have their own businesses, some dentists, things like that. They go to school to learn to be a dentist, but they're not taught anything about business operations. Would you say that was similar with your pharmacy experience? Absolutely. I had one business class, one quarter back then of accounting that I took in college. And that was it. That was the experience I had 
as far as business goes. So everything else I learned by observation from my father, uh, from other business owners, uh, and so on. And so I just kind of, you just kind of go, whoa, there's more to this than what they taught me in pharmacy school. And the reason I, part of the reason I want to bring that up too is to our listener, some of the most successful business owners I know never got a degree in business. They learned by doing. They recognized an opportunity. They figured it out. They had mentors. They had people and they just, they went all in. So I share that with you because don't limit yourself by thinking you can't start a business because you don't have an MBA or you didn't get a master's or a doctorate in business, whatever it is, right? The most successful business owners I know have just pushed through and made it happen. And uh, so Roger, what was one of you graduated, you went to school, uh, you became a pharmacist. Did you move right back to Southern Utah right away? Was that always the plan? We did. It was kind of the goal. I had another opportunity as I graduated. I was presented with another job offer, actually, that would have led to owning another business, but it would have been in the Salt Lake Valley. And so my wife and I had a choice to make, whether to stay there and enjoy the life a big city offers or move back to small town. And we opted uh, to come back. And so that did present itself. But it was always the goal to return when we started out. But there were options along the way, which was good to see. So share with us a little bit about that move back. Did you become a business owner right away? Did you get integrated into what was existing and kind of worked your way up? Share with us a little bit about that. So yeah, I was integrated into what was already going on. As I mentioned, my father owned the, the business. I came back and worked for him. At that point in time, he was nearing an age where he wanted to step back and semi-retire, which is all he really ever did. He continued to have his fingers in the business until the day he died. But prior to him passing away, we had entered into a sale agreement. And so I essentially became the owner prior to his passing. But but yeah, I started out as an employee and then decided, you know what, let's make this happen. He never really forced me to do that. It was not him saying, okay, you need to buy this and you need to carry this on. It's, do you want to do this? And if so, then this is the route we'll go. And so I was presented with that opportunity and I thought, yeah, this will be a good thing. And it's worked out really rather well. You mentioned that he had his fingers in the business up until the day he passed. And as business owners, I realized that that, I don't think we can help it. As entrepreneurs, as business owners, like it's part of who we are. And at this point, it's probably ingrained into his identity. And what I have realized early on before I really started getting involved in business, you fall into this trap of thinking there's a destination, a place that like, hey, once I get there, then I'll retire. Then I'll exit. Then I'll, I'll just chill on the beach, whatever your dream is, right? And I realized that that's not the case. With business owners, with entrepreneurs, that might be why they start. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then they they find joy in the journey and they realize that the value is in who they're becoming and the impact they're able to make along the way. So even if they decide to sell off or exit, if they're not involved in that, they're going to find something else to get involved in because it's just who they are as a person. And it seems like that's what you experienced with your father as well. Absolutely. It just becomes part of your DNA. And as I'm nearing that point in my life, it's like, okay, I want this to carry on. And actually I have a son in the business now and, and ultimately he'll end up taking things over. But it's like, I just can't walk out the door one day and say, I'm done. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> just don't. It's just part of who I am. And I want to ensure the success of the business as much as anything else. I want it to carry on and be successful. And so I'll do whatever I have to, whatever I can to make that happen. So 
And you mentioned your son. So your son's actually going to be fourth generation. Fourth generation. Wow. Yeah, he will. Yeah. Wow. You said this started in 1939? 1939. So yeah, we're on 84 years right now. And He's oh, going to see 100 years. He probably will. Yeah, he probably will. I hope I'm still around. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I meant to say you're going to see 100 years. Uh-huh. That's incredible. That's super cool. And listen, you can't stay in business that long and be that effective unless you're making a difference, making an impact. So you came in, you worked as an employee, you discussed this this agreement with your father at some point. When would you say you really became the, uh, I don't know if you want to refer to it as the president or the basically the lead decision maker to that led to you guys experiencing the growth that you did? So like in 1990, we incorporated and I became a part owner and that gradually increased over time. And in 1996, we had a need to build a new building, uh, which was a pretty big step for us. Uh, we went from about a 2,000, 2,500 square foot building to uh, one that's almost 8,000 square feet. And wow. so it was a major step forward for us. And at that point in time is when my dad said, okay, you're the one that's going to have this obligation financially upon your shoulders. And so I'm going to take a, another step back. And basically, I became the lead in almost everything at that point in time. So in 1996, we built that building. We're still in that building. Uh, It's worked out really well. It was um, a risk at the time to do that. It was a major step forward in a small town of 4,000 people to to make that jump that far forward. Um, It was a risk, but it paid off immensely and has been the best thing that we ever did. And it started as... Uh, in a pattern of growth that's continued to this day. Let's touch on this for a minute. Cause you guys went, you said from about a 2000 to 2,500 square foot building to an 8,000. That's a lot of extra space. So one, what was it that demanded that growth? And two, how did you guys come about that decision to decide to move forward? Because that's a big jump. That's a big jump. And as any business owner, entrepreneur knows, there's a lot of decisions you make that you don't know. You don't know how the outcome is going to be. And so you have to go through this process of deciding if this is the right move. So share with us a little bit about that. What demanded the growth and then how you guys came to that decision? Demand for the growth, it, it, the business had increased. Every year since I'd come back, um, we were seeing growth. And this was at a time when I mentioned before that the economy of this area had been stimulated by the growth or by the production of a power plant. And so the area was growing, was in an upward trend that way, and our business was reflecting that as well. So we jumped on that wagon knowing that the economy in the area was going to be stable and increase over the next several years. So we took advantage of that. The other factor that played into that is the property became available. Right next door to our building where we were was a hotel that was actually a part of the family. It was owned by my aunt and uncle, and they had sold it. And then those owners had kind of struggled maintaining it and they wanted out. And so an opportunity arose for us to purchase that property. So those two factors came together and allowed us to build the building on the property where we were. It's been a good thing. A couple of things I want to touch on for our listener here. If you've been listening for a while, you see this. It's a reoccurring pattern with business owners. I talk about this all the time. There's things that are in our control. There's things we can control and things we can't control. And a lot of very successful business owners will share and say like, it was just right timing or I got lucky or whatever the case is, right? That can be a common occurrence. 
However, what they're being modest about is their ability to recognize the opportunity. And I think that's where, as an individual, as a business owner, that's where the skill set really comes in and something you can control looking for those opportunities. Now, you guys had no control or say in the economy growth in that area. This power plant decided to move in, but you recognize the opportunity. You said, okay, if they're coming in, we have some foresight that things are going to continue to grow and just happen chance the property right next to you came up, right? right? So those could be situations where somebody could say, you know, we got lucky, right? Those are things we can't control. However, having that foresight, having the courage and the confidence to move forward with no guarantee, that's something that you can control as a business owner. And that sounds like what you and your father decided at the time said, hey, let's weigh the pros and cons. We see things moving in the right direction. What's the worst that could happen? Did you have that conversation? Like, what's the worst yeah, that could happen? We did. Do you happen to remember what that conversation yeah, sounded like? What could happen is, okay, we overextended ourselves and uh, I guess we'll go the other direction. But we knew we wouldn't. We knew our business could maintain. We're not sure we could exist in that size of a building. where We weren't sure we were ready for that growth, but that we underestimated because it came quickly. Because what that allowed us to do, obviously, was to not just expand the pharmacy part, but also the front end giftware, medical equipment and other things that we do. All of those were able to expand as well. And, and it just rolled faster than we thought it would. And we were able to pay back any debt that we had far quicker than, than we anticipated we would. So it was wow. a good move. You mentioned medical equipment. So it sounds like prior to this move, you were strictly pharmacy, correct? Mm-hmm. We didn't have room for anything else. Yeah. Okay. Moving up to this larger building allowed opportunities for growth. And you mentioned medical equipment. So share with our listener some of those strategic moves you made as you continue to scale. And and what was it that led you to want to go down those paths and add them in addition to the pharmacy? Because it sounded like they complemented each other very well. They did. And we'd kind of dabbled in the medical equipment side, especially. We kind of looked at even a joint venture with another company and we're starting down that road. And then the building allowed us to kind of go out on our own and do our own thing. And we saw that as an opportunity to grow. At that point, you're a little bit panicked because you're extending yourself beyond where your comfort zone is, thinking, okay, what am I going to do to get a positive revenue stream for this square footage that we're now occupying. And so that was an obvious one, the medical equipment. Hey, we can expand into this. It'll fill up some space in our store and it'll be a good thing. And so we did that. We, we applied that same thing to giftware and other areas of the store, allowed all of those things to expand. Some were successful. Some we now no longer have as we went down a road and realized, okay, this isn't working. And we try another thing. But we had several options on the table and we're expanding several things at once there. And we're able to to make it all work to to our good. And it and it sounds like the the target customer client is pretty much the same. If you're if between pharmacy medications and and medical equipment, you're probably targeting the the older population. And so it sounds like it could be very synergistic in what you were already doing. It was the expansion into medical equipment was a very good thing because we were targeting the same customer. That person, by and large, was already coming into our store, and now we could offer them another service they were probably needing to go elsewhere for. And they were more than happy because of the trust relationship they had with us to say, okay, yeah, you can be our provider for that as well. 
And so it, and one fed off the other. If, if they came in for medical equipment purposes, that led them and that trust relationship we built with them there led them to wanting to, to use our pharmacy services and vice versa. Let me get your thoughts on this because as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we tend to be very futuristic thinking. Like we see what we want the final product to look like. And I think oftentimes we overdo it as we get started and we try to have that within the first year. Now, your path of growth, you started with the pharmacy, then you started adding synergistic things to it. So in your experience, what advice could you share with that business owner that maybe they want to see all of this in one place? What advice could you share on 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 maybe what that growth would look, look like versus if you guys decided to do a pharmacy, medical equipment, give all that stuff all at one time? Yeah, starting from scratch would have been overwhelming and almost impossible, I believe. We had a core to our business that was very successful, and we branched out of that core. That was the pharmacy. The pharmacy had been there for 19, since 1939, very well respected, trusted, and provided a core revenue stream for us. And we were able then to branch off of that into other areas that were, as you say, synergistic to that, and allowed us to have some growth. And we kind of did all that, the, the growth all at once, but we had that core to rely on. And so that's why when you ask, you know, did you fear, well, you know, what would happen? What's the worst case scenario what would happen? We always felt like we had the core business to fall back on. And we knew that it actually had generated enough revenue and would generate enough revenue stream to keep us above water. It may not have been pretty, it would have been a struggle, but we had that core to fall back on. And that allowed us to branch out and go forward. Had we tried to start all of that at once, I think it would have been overwhelming and probably unsuccessful because we wouldn't have known where to focus and how to grow outward. So to an aspiring entrepreneur and business owner, or maybe someone that's in the middle of this right now, maybe they need to hear it as well. It sounds like what I'm hearing is pick pick a core foundational thing that you're known for and make that very successful. Once that's rolling, then consider adding additional things in. That opens up other opportunities for you. Yeah. And don't try to do too much once. Get your core solid and build outward from the core. Awesome. Sound advice for sure. So as you guys started scaling and you said, okay, we're doing this. And you mentioned earlier that it happened, sounds like a little quicker than than you were anticipating, which is good. And that's like every business owner's ideal situation. What were some of the biggest challenges that you guys experienced early on as you really started expanding and growing? Product mix. I think we're in a retail establishment. So finding that right product mix was a little bit of a challenge for us. As I mentioned, we went down, down two or three roads that didn't really pay out that well for us. One of the things when we first built the store is I leased some space to an optometrist and he actually operated his business within the building that we were in. And so, and that was good. Again, I did that to supplement a solid revenue stream, but it didn't take long. And we realized we could profit off that space more than whatever lease money we could get out of him. And so eventually we terminated that lease. He moved out and we occupied that space and could do things with it as well. So it's a little bit of a trial and error. We, we ran into a few things here and there. And you learn by doing. You learn sometimes, okay, that's might on paper look good, but it doesn't always pan out that way. And you just need to be willing to say, okay, let's go a different direction. You got to be flexible. 
I like to say what you just shared there, like on paper, it looks good. In reality, it doesn't work out what you were expecting. That's kind of how I view business degrees. Like on paper, it's like, hey, this is how you operate a business. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you start operating a business and you're like, dang, none of that stuff applies. This was something that I didn't learn about and you have to learn by doing. And you mentioned this isn't unique to Roger and his situation. Roger shared with us that they had to go down or they went down two or three different paths to realize like, hey, that's not the right fit for us. And it's so important to be okay and open to those paths because oftentimes you go down it thinking it could be a great opportunity, good revenue generator for you to realize that it's not. But had you not gone down that path to test it, to realize it, you would have never known. So it's important to go down those paths, explore it, as long as it's in line, right? In line with your overall goal. These were still opportunities to help you maximize revenue and grow the pharmacy that you are already doing. It wasn't some one-off, completely unrelated opportunity. It was still in line with what you were doing, correct? Yeah. And that's a good point. It meshed well with what we were trying to do. It fell in line with our overall goal and direction. And each one of those things, even though they may not have been ultimately as profitable as we wanted them to be, they still were in line with what we were trying to accomplish, as were the other things we replaced them with. And so you just have to keep your eyes open and be willing to make changes as needed as you go down that path. And it didn't make you a failure as a business owner. Like It didn't mean that the rest of your business sucked and you weren't going to be profitable. You just realized, okay, that aspect isn't going to work out, but that's okay. And it probably opened up capacity, time, and opportunities for something else that would contribute to it. So if you, go down a, if you go down a path and it doesn't pan out, it's okay. Absolutely. Like find the next thing. And that usually opens doors and opportunities for something else. Because as some, in this case, as one part of that business struggled, it's like, okay, let's take a step back here. And what can we put there that won't struggle? What are we missing? What's available to us? And when you start asking those questions, doors open. And like I said, you just need to be willing to make that change and, and move forward in that direction. So otherwise, we probably wouldn't have picked up some of the things that have been profitable for us since then. I love that. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, I want to hear about the second store that you started opening and moving forward, just really the growth from the time you started, you opened this new store and what that looked like over the next few years. If I recall, you said you opened this new building like 96, correct? So that was still quite some time ago and you guys are still doing very, very well today. So there's a lot that we can cover that's happened in the last 25 years or so. So we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Hey, Dallin Schultz here with Rev Equity Group. We just launched an exciting new investment opportunity for those looking to diversify their investments across a thousand plus apartment units in some of the hottest markets in the country. If you are fed up with banks and the stock market, and want to invest in hard assets to more effectively grow and preserve your wealth, then click on the link in the show notes for more info or go to investwithrev.com and schedule a short 15-minute intro call so we can determine if our investment strategy is aligned with your goals. It's time to take your financial future into your own hands. Take action, schedule a call, and find out how my team can serve you. At Rev, we make apartment investing easy. All right. Welcome back. So right before the commercial break, 
I mentioned that I, I wanted to get into some of the additional growth that Roger had had experienced as they started expanding. Now, again, like this is stuff that didn't happen two, three, four years ago. Everything we've talked up to uh, about up to this point in this episode, this was all around 96, 97, 98, roughly, right? So share with us, Roger. You guys started expanding. You were taking this business to the next level. You pretty much had taken over ownership of the company uh, at at this point. So, what was your what was your vision? What were you hoping to accomplish at this point? That's a great question. So, my 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 vision was probably in terms of the average entrepreneur, millionaire, whatever. My vision was pretty small. I really was very happy on a local level providing the services we were providing and making a difference in the community. I didn't have grandiose ideas of expanding to uh, other cities within the state, if you will, um, or multi-state or, you know, taking this on a, on a large corporate level. That was never my goal or aspiration. And so I've kind of stuck to that. Uh, there were times when I, I had opportunities to buy pharmacies uh, in other parts of the state and in other states. And I could have uh, made this a, a you know a multi uh, or a bigger operation than it is, and but yet that I kind of that was not me. Maybe my son will go that way. Who knows? But I that was not me. But I was my vision was to provide to grow the grow the business to the being the best provider of the services we were providing to this rural area and do it in the best manner that we could. And so that was the stimulus for our growth was was trying to capture this market locally rather than globally. I want to stop here for a second cuz this is what you just shared was was gold for some of our listeners. I think it's especially with social media and and everything that you see in today's world it's important to realize and understand you don't have to be that multi-state international business owner to to be successful and make an impact. And some people, is that their path? Is that their journey? It Was that their aspiration? Was it their intention? Maybe, maybe not. What, what you need to gain from this and what Roger just shared with us is that you don't need to be this massive multi-million dollar company to make an impact and to be successful. And how he approached his business and his mindset, I'd say is really what made you as successful as you are. Because it goes without saying, as you start scaling, if you get too big, you lose a lot of that personal touch. And we don't need to get into it on this episode, but you look at a lot of these private companies that go public, now they're not serving their clients or customers, now they're serving the shareholders. And you can't disagree with the disconnect that happens at that point. So this was Roger's strategy, and it's a very, very effective and powerful strategy, and he's done very, very very well with it. So to our listener, again, you don't need this grandiose idea of being all over the country, all over the world, right? Start small, start local, figure out how you can serve the people in your market close to you the best way you can and start there. Start there and just see what it can expand and grow into. And that's exactly what what Roger has done. So Roger, when did you guys decide to add the second pharmacy? Honestly, so there was a, a second pharmacy in this in t- uh, the town 30 miles away in Fillmore that the owner wanted to retire. And we had already established a presence there 
a little bit. We were delivering to that area. And so we had a little bit of a client base there. And then he, uh, he mentioned, or he said one day, he called and said, you know, I'm going to retire. I'm going to sell out. Um, and because of our relationship we had with him, he gave us first opportunity to do, to, to buy him, which we did. We, we looked at it, evaluated it, um, saw the similarity to what we were doing with our existing business and recognizing that we already had a little bit of a toehold in that area and thought we could make it work. And so that putting those factors together, we jumped at that opportunity and, and that's how we got over there. So again, I'm going to touch on this because this goes back into that. Just we got kind of lucky. And even you said that, like it, it fell into our lap, right? Again, and the reason I share these things is because for those that are, are newer to business entrepreneurship, I think we fall into this trap of thinking that business owners just get lucky. And and yes, that is sometimes the case, but a lot of times it's because of how they've positioned themselves to capitalize on that opportunity. So what I want to highlight here with what Roger said, but didn't say is how they position themselves up to capitalize on this opportunity. Listen, and the reason I bring this up, you can't sit back, not do anything and just expect something to fall into your lap, right? It's those that are actively pursuing that are very intentional that opportunities are presented to them. Okay. So a couple things, he mentioned the relationship he had with this previous pharmacy owner, right? That's not something that happens overnight. How long had you known this pharmacy owner for, Roger? 20 years before we... 20 years. And you guys had a good relationship. You probably treated each other with respect and common courtesy. And maybe there was a little competition, but you guys were able to maintain a friendly rapport, right? We had built a trust and a respect, I think, uh, more than anything that that he said, yeah, this this is... When he stepped out, he said... What you're doing in your operation in Delta is what I want to see continue in my business here, even though I'm selling. And so that's why he came to us first is because he wanted that business, which you mentioned before, is such a big part of who you are. When he stepped out of it, he wanted to make sure it continued in a like manner and that it would be taken care of and be the the business that he had built it to be and yet even grow even better. So. So that's what gave us that opportunity. And because of how intentional you were with how you operated and grew your business, that's what provided the opportunity of it essentially falling into your lap. But again, it didn't happen overnight. At this point, you had grown this relationship for 20 years. You had grown your business for 20 years. And you brought up another really good point. As business owners, especially small business owners, your business is a direct reflection of you. It's an extension of who you are and, and it's your brand. So when you're getting ready to sell, we see this in real estate too. I'm a real estate guy. You're in pharmacy. When you have these mom and pop owners that are maybe selling their their home that they raised their kids in, or maybe it's a, a small apartment building that they've owned for 30 years, right? Then the number becomes a little less important in some situations and like who they're selling to the situation is what matters to these people because they want to know that what they've nurtured and grown and their legacy that they've created for the last 20, 30, 40 years is left in good hands. So again, that doesn't happen overnight. Roger had spent years not only building the relationship with this pharmacist, but designing his business in a way that just happened to align with this other guy. Uh, The other thing that we did, we had positioned ourselves in our business financially. So we kept our debt load low 
so that when this opportunity came along, we were able to do it without a whole lot of risk. And so that was that was something that allowed us to be successful on that other end. And that's huge. And that's something you can control as a business owner. You didn't over leverage. You were you were frugal. You were conservative, and you positioned yourself well to capitalize on that opportunity. Now, had you not been financially wise, had you not been developing that relationship, this opportunity may have not even presented itself. So you wouldn't have even known that it was an opportunity. And that right there is what happens when you are very intentional and you move forward with business with the right mindset and really wanting to serve and make an impact, opportunities present themselves. And it's up to you to then decide Hey, is this is this an opportunity or is it a distraction? And sometimes you may not know. And that's where you go down that path to explore and realize, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't have done that. And you go back. And that's just part of life. That's part of business. So, and you also mentioned the presence that you had there. You were already doing present business in that area. We had a relationship with a number of people and the healthcare providers, especially in that area yeah. that allowed us to to grow from day one over there. So... Had you not already been in that area, do you think do you think the opportunity still would have presented itself? Maybe. I'm not sure. We would have had a much more difficult time being successful had we not had those relationships in place. Awesome. So <laughs> about what time, roughly, did you add the second store? Yeah, we bought that in 2011. 2011. So 96, that's when you really took things to the next level and you focused on your 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 store there in Delta became very well known in the community, made an impact. 2011, this other opportunity presented itself. And you still own both these pharmacies. They're still operating. Looking back, I'm sure you can look at that and say, hey, that was a good path to go down. Would you agree? Yes, very much so. Very much so. The other thing that happened that I think is important for people to understand as you grow your own business is to develop your your people, though your employees, to a point where you can trust them and where they buy into your business. If you remember 2011 was the year I bought that store. 2011 was also the year I left on a three-year mission and walked away from my business for three years. I had to put it in the hands of people I could trust. I still had contact. I still had input, but I wasn't making day-to-day decisions at that point for three years. Was that hard for you? It was very hard. It was a challenge, but I had people that I could trust and they stepped up. And when I came back, it was like they didn't miss me. In fact, in some ways, I think they wished I wouldn't have come back, but but it was a, a positive thing. They were able to grow in their responsibilities and uh, it was a good thing. And so yeah, I had developed some people to, to where they stepped in and it just took care of itself. That is huge. That's how you know you have the right team. And and being a business owner, it's more than just coming up with the idea and executing. Ideally, it's really developing the people that are working with you. And if you can get that buy-in to your vision, to the business, and they feel like they're a part of it, people want to feel significant, right? Even people that say they don't want to feel... I heard Tony Robbins say this the other day. Even people that say they don't want to feel significant... What are they doing? They're making themselves feel significant by saying, oh, I don't need to be significant, right? So by nature as humans, we want to feel significant. We want to feel like we matter. We want to feel like we're making an impact. And so you stepping away was actually probably one of the best things for your company because it allowed these people to step up, take ownership, and and really 
take what you've already created and how you trained them and led them to maintain it and even probably grow it over those next three years. Absolutely. Yeah, it was very beneficial on both sides. That's what happens when you have good people, you have a good team, you have a good vision, and you're a good person, right? People become an extension of you, of the business. They get that buy-in. And now you as a business owner can take a step back. Now, a lot of us, I think, think we can't or we have a hard time stepping back. You mentioned your dad had his fingers in it until the day he passed away, right? But getting your business in a position, in a situation that you could step back if you needed to. Now, in Roger's situation, he got called into a three-year mission. Some people might experience a traumatic injury that takes them out of work, right? Like We don't know what curveballs life is going to throw at us. So being able to establish your business, set it up to really grow it so it could sustain itself, whether you're there or not, I think that's the ultimate goal of being a business owner. Because now you've created something that you can pass on. Now you've created something that's impacting more people than just yourself. That was actually a very rewarding thing for me because you're right. I learned right then and there that this thing will succeed with or without me. Uh, It may change. It may morph into something a little different. Uh, The direction might change, but the foundation is there and it will carry forward. And so that was rewarding for me to know that, yeah, I made a difference and I did my part. And now when the time comes, I can hand it to somebody else and they'll carry forward. And what, a, what an awesome way to honor your father and your grandfather in this family business. And it sounds like you're getting ready to, to pass it down onto your son as well. Four generations. That's incredible. So, well, Roger, we're coming up on time. This went by really quick. I knew that it would. Share with our listener, like, what's next for you in the business? Like, what, 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 can, what are you expecting to happen over the next few years? Well, right now, we're in the middle of our expansion in Fillmore in that second store. We bought the building, uh, bought the existing business and building, and it was a small, older building, actually built in 1925. Oh, wow. Currently, we're in the middle of a major remodel over there and expanding it. We expanded into a neighboring store, knocked down some walls, and we're taking the existing shell of the building, built in 1925, and retrofitting our pharmacy into that. And so... We're expanding that to solidify our base in that community. And we think this will be a very good thing. So we're basically doubling the size of the store over there, kind of what we did here when we built the new store and trying to anchor ourselves into that community for decades to come. That's incredible. Look, small town pharmacists making a big impact with multiple businesses. If you're in the pharmacy space and you think there's no opportunity because of Walgreens, CVS, like, you heard it here. You heard it right now. You heard it today. They're still expanding. Roger is still expanding, even given all these massive corporate pharmacies. And and I think a big part of that is because of the impact you have on the community and the relationship you're able to have and create. It matters to you. Like These are people that you're truly serving and helping. That's been the core of our business. The, uh, the name of our business is Service Drug. And we've tried to make that our motto. You know, our slogan is service first and service drug. And we approach our business model in that aspect. We serve the customer. The customer always comes first. Their customer is always right, even when they're not. And (laughs) work through those situations when you have to. But you approach it with that mindset and people respond. I appreciate you sharing that. 
So Roger, as we wrap this up, there's four questions I like to ask every guest at the end of every show. And number one being is what is one absolute book recommendation for those looking to scale and further develop their millionaire mind? You know, I'm not a big book reader, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts. And one of the things that's been very helpful to me are the NPR business podcasts. Um, And in particular, uh, Planet Money has been very good for me. Uh, That's one that I I get a lot out of on a day-to-day basis. The other one is Marketplace. It gives you an overview and an understanding of business, again, on a corporate global level. But I've continually found small pieces of information that I've been able to apply to my business. So it gives you that business background, business perspective, which for me, especially not having a business degree has been very helpful. And, And you forgot to add in the millionaire mind podcast the millionaire mind podcast how can i forget that (laughs) and listen i love that you brought up a podcast because not everyone's readers and you know i like to say i'm a reader i'm an audible reader so i'm still listening to it so it's basically the same thing as a podcast right so thank you for sharing those i think those are, are great if you're in the world of business looking to expand your mind great recommendations from roger so what has been one of your favorite quotes that you've embodied and lived by so i have this little magnet on my desk uh, I've had it for decades, and it's motivated me and helped me as I've tried to make decisions about the business and growing the business and me and all sorts of things. It says it's by Emerson. And it says what lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us. Mm-hmm. And I think as an entrepreneur, a, a small business owner, you have to recognize and feel that you have within you the ability to do this. You have to have some self-confidence and trust yourself uh, and and allow that to play out. Yeah, you're going to make some mistakes and, and you're going to have to backtrack at times, but trust yourself. And what lies within you is great stuff. I think too often we look externally for what to do next. And, and I believe that a lot of us with the right meditation, with the right mindset, with the right approach, we can figure it out. We have it within us. And I think that's just a God-given gift that we have within us that people don't tap into enough because they're looking to influencers and celebrities and people to tell them how they should live their lives or what to do next. And there might be some good things you can take from, I mean, we talked about book recommendations and podcasts, right? There's always nuggets you can take from other people. But at the end of the day, look within yourself because you've got it in you. You'll know, trust your gut and take that action. Love it. So Roger, if there was one thing you could share with fellow business owners that are beginning or simply trying to get to that next level, what would it be? I think that what you just said is very good. Trust yourself, trust your gut, trust your instinct, and have the courage to follow that. Uh, You don't overextend yourself, but have the courage to make the decisions that will take you to the next level and allow that growth to happen. You got to get out of the boat sometimes. And sometimes you fall in the water getting out of the boat, but you got to get out of the boat sometimes. And you'll know when that is. You'll see those opportunities. You'll sense that if you have your fingers in the business and you got to have the courage to do it. That courage and confidence, I think, is what hangs up so many business owners and operators and potential business owners. And again, it goes back to that gut feeling. Very well said. Well, Roger, how can people get in contact? with you or learn more about about you and your business? We have a website. We have a social media presence, Service Drug, on both Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. 
But we also have a website. That's probably the easiest way to get a hold of us or to get a hold of me is through the website. You can message us www.servicedrug.com. So S-E-R-V-I-C-E-D-R-U-G.com. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Look, this has been an incredible conversation with Roger. And if this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you tuned in. People have been asking me what my company does. So since I have you here listening to my show, I'll share that with you now. So my company partners with busy professionals, just like Roger, that are looking to experience significant tax savings, have more to invest, and even reinvest their hard-earned capital. And we work with other successful business owners like you by offering them opportunities to invest alongside us in large apartment deals. At Rev, we found that most successful business owners have a strong desire to give and to serve. And we simply provide the vehicle to enable them to grow and preserve their wealth so they can give of their time and financial success more abundantly and freely. If you've been wanting to get involved in apartment investing, but have been too busy to figure out where or how to start, then you can find out how I can serve you by visiting investwithrev.com and schedule a 15-minute discovery call. What I found is a lot of people think they need millions of dollars to get started investing in real estate and apartments. I'm here to tell you that is not the case, and you can likely start today. It can be overwhelming finding the right investment, though, and the right operator. But at Rev, we make apartment investing easy. Roger, thank you so much again for just sharing your experience and just the growth over these last, gosh, I mean, you started 1990. So it's just been a journey for you. So thank you for inviting us into your mindset and your story. Thank you. It's been a privilege. And to our listener, remember, you can't have a million dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. So go out there and earn your win for today. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Hope you got value from this episode of The Millionaire Mind, a journey into the mindset of successful business owners. If you want to get results, you've got to take the right steps to get there. Dallin hosts a free weekly educational webinar focused on teaching you how to start investing in apartments so you too can experience the benefits of real estate ownership without doing any of the heavy lifting. There you can gain insights, connect with others like you, and ask Dallin all your burning questions about how you can start owning apartments today. Go to themillionairemind.us. That link is in the show notes.